This episode of Mission Log is brought to you by the official Star Trek Starships collection. Get the Enterprise D for only $4.95 when you sign up today at st-starships.com slash mission log. Mission Log, a Roddenberry Star Trek podcast. Episode 202, New Ground. Welcome into Mission Log, a Roddenberry Star Trek podcast. I'm John Champion. And I'm Ken Ray. Each week on Mission Log, we take apart an episode of Star Trek, looking at the messages, morals, and meanings, and seeing whether the whole thing stands the test of time. And you know, John, I was thinking, I bet it feels like we've been together on Mission Log for a million years. Mm. And I bet it'll feel like we'll be together for a million more. Yeah. You know, it's like I started breathing on the night we... uh, <clears throat> recorded our first episode. Uh, very different than this episode, by the way. New Ground is the episode we're covering today. Uh, the one where the Enterprise goes surfing, and Alex P. Keaton's little brother moves onto the Enterprise. Yeah, they're perfect strangers, right? Yeah, more like bosom buddies, I'd say. I mean, there's some sort of connection in there. Uh, yeah, we'll think of it, though. Hey, before we ponder that, uh, let's talk about a big deal on small ships. What do you say? I think I know what you're talking about. I think you're talking about our sponsor, the Star Trek Starships Collection, the officially sanctioned collection from CBS, which are amazing. You get a subscription and little, tiny, but beautifully rendered spaceships <laughs> arrive at your house. Not big enough for you to get in. No. That would be really too big. These guys about three to four inches in size. Now, I got to say, uh, these things would be a good deal at twice the price. And that's good news. <laughs> <laughs> because there, it, it turns out there was a little bit of miscommunication. Yes. Uh, in what we had been saying. And and it was, I mean, and nobody is at fault here. I mean, I guess we can go ahead and you know take the bullet if we need to. But I, I think it was just, it, there was just a bit, bit of miscommunication between uh, us and the good people at Eagle Moss. Uh, we had sort of indicated, well, we didn't sort of indicate, we indicated that it was 20 bucks a month for two ships. And it turns out it's actually 20 bucks a month for each ship. So that happens twice a month. So it's $40 a month. But um, I know I joked when I said it's a, it's a good deal at twice the price. But I mean, they're still just, a, they're amazing little things. I honestly couldn't figure out how they were making money sending two at 20 bucks a month. And it turns out that that's not how they're doing they it. They weren't. Which is how they, of course, how they make money. <laughs> yeah. So sorry about that confusion. But here's the thing, though. As we've pointed out, not only do you get the ship on a display stand, and you get the magazine, and you get the binder, and you get the digital copy of the magazine, you get these little bonuses that show up from time to time as well. So things like ship dedication plaques that are beautiful, or special editions of ships you can't get any other way. So it behooves you to stay in the collection longer. And and by the way, thank you to our listeners who have not only jumped on board because they love the idea, um, and those of you who have sent us photos of your collections, thank you. And thank you for pointing out where we misspoke, uh, because that is important to get clear. Now, here's the great news. Because you can't see how cool these things are, maybe just from a picture, although we, we try and we keep wanting to put your pictures out there. What we really want you to do is just get the first one, because you can get that for absolutely cheap, $4.95, and you get the Enterprise 1701D. And that's yours to keep. Even if you don't want any more of the ships, even if you decide to cancel your subscription right then and there, you get to keep the Enterprise D. 
I can't imagine that you will want to only stop there, but they are fantastic. And that is a model that you will be proud to have on your desk for sure. Yeah. And and let's go ahead and stress that price again, because that one we got down cold. It is $4.95 <laughs> to try it out. It's $4.95 to see the kind of information they're going to bring you in the magazine, to see the quality of the ship when you get the ship, um, and, and to see, okay... I, I, I have to make room for all the rest of them now. Yeah, right, right. <laughs> so you'll, you'll, get a, you'll get a sense of how much space you're going to need uh, for all of the spaceships going forward. Uh, the address, uh, the uh, website, excuse me, to do that is st-starships.com slash mission log. Uh, that again is st-starships.com slash mission log. And, uh, and we do very much thank uh, the good people at Eagle Moss for sponsoring this week's episode of Mission Log. Do you want to tell people this week, sir, how they can send us their pictures? Or do you want me to keep doing that? I, I would love to this week. Let's change it up a little, Ken. Okay, so so you're going to do this, and then I'll and then I'll do trivia. Oh, sure, you go right ahead. Yeah, uh, Mission Log Pod <laughs> is the address to find us on Facebook, Skype, and Twitter. And if you'd like to leave us a voicemail, you can do so at three two three five two two five six four one. That number again three two three five two two five six. Our email address is missionlog at roddenberry.com. And our show website, including discovered documents, is at missionlogpodcast.com. So send us your comments on the show. Send us your photos of your little tiny spaceships. We love it. And remember, we may use your comments on an upcoming episode of Mission Log. And now, time for me to do trivia. There are uh, many actors in this episode. Can, and, can and, it, and it, if it's out, so good, I'll just... Well, no, I got it. I, I got it because, well, I had I had one other note. It turns out this show was also produced. Mm, okay, good. Yeah. Okay. Do you want me to fill in any of the blanks? Yeah. Well, I was going to say, if you feel like there's more that needs to be said, then, then yeah, I guess you can go ahead. I'm not going to be hurt. Okay. All right. Then here we go. Today's episode, New Ground, was written by Sarah Charno and Stuart Charno. We mentioned them before. At the time, they were married. Sarah now goes by Sarah B. Cooper. They work together on The Wounded, and now New Ground, and they will be back for one more episode of Next Generation. Sarah continues to work as a writer and producer, and Stuart primarily as an actor. Now, the teleplay is by Grant Rosenberg. This episode is Grant's only Star Trek credit. Prior to this, he has a couple of scripts that were produced on MacGyver. After Next Generation, though, he amassed a number of credits, both as a writer and producer. Uh, you've got Lois and Clark, The New Adventures of Superman, The Outer Limits, the, the version from 2000, uh, Masters of Horror and Masters of Science Fiction, which both were very cool anthology shows on cable, and more recently, the shows Bitten and Olympus. Now, the episode's directed by Robert Shearer. He, of course, started on Next Gen with The Measure of a Man, and will continue with more Next Gen, then a little bit of Deep Space Nine and Voyager. He started directing in the early 60s. The guy did 30 episodes of The Love Boat and one episode of Kolchak, The Night Stalker. Oh, wow, but but no moonlighting. No, no, no moonlighting. I looked for it. Yeah. Um, maybe if there's a revival... We could get Robert Shearer back for that. I hope so. Um, Just in case you were wondering, yes, the Corvan Gilvo is a puppet. 
It was designed and built by Michael Westmore. And there is a deleted scene from this episode. Um, after the moment in the briefing room where the crew are trying to figure out how to stop the Soliton wave, Worf has a little bit of one-on-one -on -one dialogue with Picard. Worf expresses his regret that he's distracted and doing a bad job. Picard says, no, he's not. And good for him, meeting many challenges that are at odds with his Klingon heritage. Um, we might come back to that because there's a line in that scene that I want to bring up a little later in the show today. Now, let's talk about guest stars. We welcome back Georgia Brown as Worf's mom, Helena Rajinko. This is the last show she shot. Uh, there was an episode of Baby Talk that aired after this that she appeared in, and then her voice appears in the docudrama My Mother India from 2001. Georgia passed away in 1992. We also have Richard McGonagall as Jadar. This is the first of two Star Trek credits for Richard. He'll be back one more time in Voyager. Now, he has a very extensive list of credits dating back to his start in soap operas. He turns up in guest roles on T.J. Hooker, Remington Steele, The A-Team, Quantum Leap, and he had recurring roles on Third Rock from the Sun, Jag, The Rules of Engagement, and uh, he also keeps very busy as a voice actor, turning up in several of the Ben 10 series. Uh, there's Batman, The Brave and the Bold, uh, Duck Dodgers, and Star Wars Clone Wars, in which he is the voice of General Grievous. We also have Jennifer Edwards as Alexander's teacher, Miss Kyle. I'm sorry, Miss Call? Uh, Miss Call. Call. <laughs> or Kyle. It, it's good to give a shout out to, it's a good, good to give a shout out to TOS, I think. Mm -hmm. So when, yes, when she came on and it turns out her name was Miss Kyle. I thought, oh, they can pronounce her name properly. <laughs> well, it, it is a hundred years later. Yeah. Well, yes, but she could be a descendant. She could be his great granddaughter. She could. Wouldn't that be nice? Yeah. That'd, that'd be kind of neat. And then everybody could walk around saying her name wrong, just like her great granddad. <laughs> so Jennifer is the daughter of director Blake Edwards and his first wife, Patricia Edwards. Now, Ken, do you know why, as a child actor, Jennifer Edwards had an everlasting impact on professional football? I believe she scored the winning touchdown in Super Bowl three. You are so close. You are so close. <laughs> okay. But no, in fact, <laughs> so November 17th, 1968, uh, the TV movie Heidi uh, premiered, and she played the title character. She played Heidi. Mm -hmm. And that show started at 7 p.m. sharp, November 17th, 1968. Now, at the same exact time, the Oakland Raiders were playing the New York Jets, and there was a minute and five seconds left to go. The Jets were ahead. And the network cut the football game and started playing Heidi. Mm -hmm. Now, they ran a ticker at the bottom of the screen to tell you what had happened. And what happened in the meantime was in that minute and five seconds left, the Oakland Raiders scored twice and won the game. Well, people were outraged. And not only did they blow out the, uh, the, the, the exchange board at NBC... They actually started calling 911, which was a new system in New York, and blew out the circuitry there as well. So from that game on, every football game has been played in its entirety. And if it runs into overtime, it runs late. And you don't interrupt the football game with an actual TV show or TV movie. Hmm. So for years, for years, people kind of took it out against Jennifer Edwards that she, well, her show, 
interrupted the game. And she does tell a story much later about how she met Joe Namath, who was playing in that game, and they kind of had a good laugh about it, that she was the one who ruined professional football for that night, but actually set the standards so that those games would not be interrupted from that day forward. So kind of an infamous spot in history for her. Now, Jennifer Edwards doesn't have the longest resume, a good number of TV guest spots, uh, but some really great stuff in there. And not surprisingly, a lot of Blake Edwards movies like SOB, The Man Who Loved Women, The Underrated, I Feel That's Life, and uh, The Son of the Pink Panther, and more. Now, finally, we have Brian Bonsall as Alexander. Um, Brian started working as an actor at a very young age. By the time he shot this episode of Next Gen, he was 10 years old and already very well established. Most famously, he was Andy Keaton on Family Ties, that hotly controversial character who was maybe brought in as a jump-the-shark moment for that show, depending on who you listen to. Now, remember that uh, John Stewart had played Alexander in Reunion, but many felt like that didn't work out. No such worries for Brian Bonsall. He will be back as Alexander five more times. The child who brought down one of the biggest situation comedies of the 80s is aboard the Enterprise. What could possibly go wrong? Prologue. The Enterprise is on its way to Belanda 3, where it will participate in a test of a soliton wave. This is a new form of propulsion that'll let ships go warp speed without their own warp drive. They'll basically ride the wave like a surfboard. The plan is to shoot the wave at another colony on Lima 3, with the ship riding it and the Enterprise in pursuit. What could possibly go wrong? Also, Worf's mom is on the phone. She'll be dropping by the Enterprise with Worf's son, Alexander. She says she thought Worf and Alexander would like a chance to visit, which sounds good. Except for the part where Alexander thinks he's staying on the Enterprise. What could possibly go wrong? Act 1. Worf's mom lays it out. The Roshenkos are getting old. They're not dying, but they're not as young as they were the last time they raised a Klingon kid. Besides, Alexander is having difficulties. He's disobedient. He doesn't always tell the truth. He needs guidance. He needs his father to give him guidance. And with that, Helena Roshenko is out. Time now for awkward small talk between Worf and Alexander. Did you enjoy going to school on Earth? Yes. Did you like your teachers? Yes. Do you like sports ball? I have no idea what to say to you. Thank Kayless. We're here to meet your teacher. Things go about as well with the teacher, Miss Call, as they did on the way. Alexander is looking around and refusing to answer the teacher's questions until he realizes that Worf, his own father, doesn't even know Alexander's date of birth. 43rd day of Cuktog, by the way, stardate 43205. You are so going to win landing party trivia with that. One last question. How long will Alexander be on the Enterprise? Worf says, that has not been decided which obviously upsets Alexander. In Picard's ready room, Picard is having a meeting with Worf. Without Worf. Suddenly having a kid is busy work. Picard pleasantly tells Worf to tend to his family ties. On the bridge, Counselor Troy is getting all up in Worf's fatherly business. Hey, are you going to the father-son field trip with Alexander's school? No. Let me rephrase that. You're going to the father-son field trip with Alexander's school. Man, it's like they're dating or something. 
The field trip is kind of cool. The Enterprise is transporting a couple of Corvin Gilvos from Corvin 2. They're nearly extinct. Alexander is interested in them, though Miss Kyle is more interested in the lizard model he pocketed during her lecture. Alexander denies it, but Worf pats him down and, yeah, there it is. Right where he said it wasn't. Also, Soliton Wave. Act 2. Personal Log, Lieutenant Worf. Alexander is bringing all kinds of shame on the house of Moog. Little liar. Worf says he'd rather fight a bunch of big nasties than deal with his kid, but he powers through, telling Alexander how he should rather face death than dishonor. Honor's all you got, little Klingon. Without it, you dishonor you, and you dishonor me. Alexander promises he'll never lie or steal again. Okay. Wow, parenting's pretty easy, huh? In the corridor, Ugh, K-less! Counselor Troy is once again getting all up in Worf's fatherly business. Hey, how was the field trip? Alexander stole and lied, but I talked to him about honor and it's all good now. She says she'd be happy to, you know, counsel them. But really, Worf's got this. Also, Soliton Wave. Things with that are better than good. Super efficiency, super speed, totally awesome. Right until the test ship explodes. The Enterprise was following super close as part of the test. It takes damage as we had to break. Act 3. Damage to the Enterprise was pretty severe. Sensors and warp driver offline and deflector shields down to 15%. This, by the way, is what could possibly go wrong. Back in Miss Kyle's office, Alexander is still being a handful. He's bright. He could be one of her best students. But he's defiant. He's overly aggressive. He doesn't pay attention. And he's still a little liar. He takes toys. He bullies. He says, you say he doesn't have to listen to teachers. He's acting on his internal feelings, then making up stories to explain them. Maybe you and he should sit down with... Counselor Troy. But Worf can't really hear that. Literally. He's rushing out the door to give Alexander what for. He finds the boy on the holodeck fighting Skeletor, really holding his own. Worf is a proud father, but he's got to be a stern father as well. You have no permission to use my batlet, nor to be on the holodeck. Also, you're still lying, you little liar. Also, I have failed as a father. You don't know what it is to be a Klingon. I'm sending you to Klingon boarding school. Alexander says he won't go, though Worf gives him yet another helping of, You bring dishonor on your family. Alexander heads to their quarters. Also, Soliton Wave. It's getting faster and bigger and more energetic. By the time it hits Alema 2, well, it could be big enough, fast enough, and powerful enough to destroy the colony and maybe a lot of the planet as well. This, by the way, is also what could possibly go wrong. Act 4. Worf is... talking with Counselor Troy. He's telling her of his decision to send Alexander to Klingon boarding school. Has he talked to Alexander about this? <laughs> no, Alexander is a child. He told Alexander what's going to happen. Hello. Troy says her biggest concern is how this will affect Worf. He says he'll be happy that the boy will be getting the guidance he needs, though Troy digs deeper, basically getting Worf to see that what Alexander might need more is family. Think about it. His mom died. You sent him to live with his grandparents. So in a way, he lost his mother and his father. Kids don't have the experience to deal with their feelings. They just act on them. This digging thing is going pretty well, and Troy keeps going. Worf also lost Alexander's mother, ending up a single dad for a child he didn't even know he had. You both have a lot of healing to do. Maybe you should do it together. 
In their quarters, Alexandra is packing. Worf comes in to explain why he's sending Alexandra away. He says the Klingon school will be better for the boy, though Alexander argues that Worf doesn't care about him. Look, I d- Ooh, whoops, duty calls. Senior staff to the observation lounge to talk over the Soliton wave. He tells Alexander to stay put. Now, the Soliton wave is getting even more out of hand than it was before. The only way anyone can think to stop it is for the Enterprise to sort of skim through it, get in front of it, and drop a few photon torpedoes in its way. If that doesn't disperse the wave, the colony on Lema 2 is toast. It'll be a bumpy ride, and all decks are warned to brace for impact. Alexander is doing his whole I-can't-hear-you thing, though. He's left his quarters and gone to see the Corbin Gilvos. So he's jarred when the Enterprise hits the Soliton wave. But it's worse than that. Passing through the Soliton wave damaged the ship and weakened its shields. Some decks will be affected by the impending explosions of the torpedoes, including the biolab, where they just found out Alexander Roshenko is trapped. Act 5. Worf and Riker go to save the boy, but Picard warns them. They have three minutes, then he has to fire torpedoes, even if they don't get to safety. Of course, they save the boy. Actually, Worf does it by himself. They get to safety. Riker even manages to save the Corvin Gilvos. Now, maybe it was something Troy said. Maybe it was nearly losing his son. Whatever the case, Worf has had a change of heart. He tells Alexander that he can go to Klingon boarding school, but if he wants a greater challenge, he can stay here with his father on the Enterprise. It will not be easy for either of them, but perhaps they can face the challenge together. Alexandra accepts the challenge as we reach the end. Ken, I think I just had one question. The uh, the Corvin Gilvo, I'm a little bit worried about what they eat, because uh, I don't know if it's dangerous. Um, I don't know if they carry disease, so that's another thing. And I also wonder, when you introduce a new, like, uh, a, a well, not a very cuddly animal, but like a new animal that the kids stop by to look at. It just makes me wonder what happened to the puppies. Oh, don't do that again. It just breaks my heart every time you do that. <laughs> well, somebody's got to bring it up. You know, they introduce the puppies in season one and then they're gone. Right, right. So it's kind of like, what was the old thing? Like if you introduce a gun in act one of a play, then it's got to go off by act three. Okay. So I just, you know, you can't introduce puppies in the first season of a show. <laughs> And then we're five seasons in. <laughs> it's like, still no puppies. Yeah. yeah. I, I, well, here's what I say. It's lucky for us that we pulled KP duty because we could have been on kennel. Oh, God. That'd be the worst. Yeah. Yeah. So, so really things ended, I think, much better for us than they, than they could have. Yeah, very true. Um, I would feel bad for us in that respect. Now, I do feel bad for Jordy because his excitement mm-hmm. is so rebuffed. By his supposed friends. No one is on the same page with him. I guess you can expect that out of Data. Maybe you can expect that a little bit out of Worf. But um, but man, this poor guy, the whole episode, he's just so, he's just giddy and nobody cares. Yeah, actually, okay, so it, it's kind of cool that you felt bad for Jordy, who I actually felt bad for was everybody in my life who is not involved with one of my geekdoms. Mm-hmm, mm, yeah. Because, I mean, like, I, I largely work alone, right? I work by myself. Right. And, uh, I mean, I mean, I talk to you, but, you know, most of my day-to-day stuff is, you know, off on my own. Right. And sometimes I just have to talk to somebody about, you know, some of the exciting things I'm doing or, you know, something, like, fun that I found out, right? Mm-hmm. Um, Worf is very subdued, and, 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 you know, Data is just Data. 
Right. And and what I found was, man, I feel I feel so bad for everybody that I talk to. <laughs> <laughs> if if they're not like if they're not on that page with me, because Jordy's like he's not reading cues at all. They're like, yeah, whatever. And he's like, no, really. And they're like, yeah, really, whatever. And I'm thinking, man, I, I, I need to go back and really, you know, I, I, maybe I should go apologize to my neighbor. He doesn't care about Apple's business plan, <laughs> nor does he care about the, you know, fungibility of the prime directive. And it's like, you know, I really, or I should just stop going outside, one of the two. Maybe, maybe. Yeah, I mean, I, I guess, you know, maybe if you told Worf to get him excited, people might die, but then, then Worf <laughs> might get excited about it. You oh, know. oh, now I'm all ears. Yeah, let me, <laughs> let me let me sweep back my long hair so that I can make sure that I can hear everything you're saying because that's a, that's a much bigger <laughs> right. deal. I will say there was something that Data said in there that is true, but it was also mind-blowing. Yeah. Uh, Jordy says the whole thing, we're going to witness a moment in history. And Data says every nanosecond in this continuum is a moment in history once it has elapsed. Whoa, dude. Yeah, think about that, Mr. LaForge. I know, exactly, right? <laughs> I, you know, I really want to listen to Dark Side of the Moon with Data now. <laughs> Did I tell you, though, that we got an email from a listener who said, hey, I know that this is coming up, and there's this line that Data has every nanosecond, this continuum is a moment in history once it has elapsed. And this listener told me that a moment, a moment actually has a measure. A moment is 90 seconds. So you can't have 90 seconds in one nanosecond. Okay. <laughs> so, so now your your mind is blown too. No, no, my mind's not blown now. Now I'm thinking, ah, oh, pedantic. I mean, not not the listener. Don't misunderstand me. Yeah, but the yeah. Somebody said, okay, well, how exa- how long is a moment exactly? It was ninety seconds. I disagree with that personally because so much can happen in ninety seconds, and I don't know that that much can happen in a moment. Your whole life can change in a moment is very impressive sounding, but not when it's ninety seconds. Because of course, your whole life can change in ninety seconds. Anybody's life can change in ninety seconds. A moment that's just like, you know, sort of this like. In, indistinguishable, intangible kind of, it's just, it, it just happened. But now if you tell me it's 90 seconds, I'm kind of bored with the whole moment idea. No, we, we reach, we reach. There, mm. There's a, you know, there, there, there's a, there's a poetic sort of a colloquial, you know, way to use that term moment and, and data did, and he was being very poetic by it. So good for him. Yeah. You know? Yeah. He's, um, he, he's becoming more and more human every episode. Um, I did think of something. This was at the beginning when the call comes through for Worf. Mm-hmm. And, and I know that there are, you know, in tech manuals and all this an explanation of all this stuff. But, but here we are in the early 21st century, and we have video communication. And we can do that with relative ease. Um, but you always have the same problem where you're looking at the screen rather than looking at the camera. So it looks like the people on either end are sort of looking down. Right. And not making eye contact was a really difficult way to have a conversation. Um, but in that scene, I was thinking about the actors in physical space, and you've got Worf looking at the screen in one direction. He's watching the video of Helena Rojinko coming from the other end. Um, so the need would be, the, the technical need would be that inside every view screen, you would actually need cameras embedded in that view screen for... Right it to actually show the same line of sight to the person on the other end. Put that in the next iPhone, Apple. I thought they actually, not not in the iPhone, but I, I thought they already had those, actually. Really? I thought there were computers that actually had cameras sort of embedded in the screen. That would be a Or maybe really it was a television. I can't remember. Yeah, yeah. yeah I don't understand that. how that would work exactly, because you have to show stuff on the screen as well. But right. that's, you know, that's not one of my areas of geekdom. Once they announce it, you know, then it'll be a question of, so how does that affect their business model? Then I'm on it. 
but yeah, between now and then, uh, not so much. Hey, uh, you're a child of the 70s. I'm a child of the 70s. Mm-hmm. We're both TV babies, not in that drugstore cowboy way, but you know, we're both TV babies. <laughs> right. Uh, did it feel to you like the uh, test ship was writing the credits for the ABC movie of the week? <laughs> right. It sure did. It absolutely did. Yeah. Yeah. Tremendous amount of fun, that. And let me tell you, that was an expensive effect in 1992. But, uh, but man, they did it right. And actually, they reused the model ship that was one of the uh, Earth defense ships that the Borg just completely took out. You know, it was like, oh, we'll launch our defense ships. And the, um, the three ships pop up, and the Borg just like, bloop, 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 you're gone. That was gone. Mars. Mars, 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 my bad. That was, yeah. that, that was yeah. when they passed Mars, right? Yeah. Uh, correct me if I'm wrong, too. Was that not a Voyager? I mean, I don't remember what class of ship Voyager was, but was that not the same class that Voyager was? No, no. Voyager. The test ship? Yeah, yeah. Vo- Voyager is its own thing when we get to that. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. All right. Mm-hmm. I thought it was the same type of ship. Okay. My bad. No, that's all right. We've got years and years before we get there. Not unlike Voyager. Right. Huh, interesting. Now, uh, you were you were happy to see the return of the uh, ABC movie of the week opening credits. I was happy to see the return of Skeletor. I know that you're a big fan. Always good to see Skeletor. Yeah. Amazing to me, though, that like 10-year-old, well, who's not even 10? What is he, like four? Maybe? Right? Alexander Roshenko able to do what He-Man was not able to do in however many seasons that show was on. Uh, well, it was set to novice. You know, I mean, come on. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. true. He man always set Skeletor to advanced. Yeah. So you're right. Good point. That. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Okay. That's fair. Uh, uh, another return Worf's ball chair. So uh, that's an exciting return of a prop right there. <laughs> I'm pretty sure you shouldn't call it that. No, I am. I'm calling it Worf's ball chair. So, yep. <laughs> All right. Good. All right. Go ahead. And also in Worf's quarters, uh, we get some uh, explanation about that statue, mm-hmm. which has kind of been in there, uh, just kind of, you know, right out of sight. But now we, we have a little bit better close up of it. Um, it's that uh, statue of uh, a couple of guys just wrestling. Yeah. And uh, we get a little story behind it, too, what? So, which is pretty cool to, to mention Kales. Why did I? OK, first of all, is it Kales or Kales? Because I know it was Kales in this episode, but is it not Kales later? Uh, I, I believe, yeah, I, I believe it. The the pronunciation does change. Okay, but Kales in this episode, yeah. All right, fine. Yeah. And and why so. did I think that that was Romulus and Remus? I, well, see, they they have similar origin stories, I guess. But yeah, that that's kind of what I thought too. But but not not uh, not out of all likelihood that the inspiration for the the foundation of the Klingon Empire and their way of life might parallel. Oh you know, earthbound myths about uh, creation of our own empires. Okay. So All right. we'll leave that there. Um, hey, and we also have a, a shout out to uh, Chuck Yeager, real life uh, uh, test pilot. Mm-hmm. And then a shout out to Zephram Cochran, uh, Star Trek test pilot, <laughs> who uh, we've already met once and we will meet again. Yeah, he's going to go through some hard times before we meet him again. He will. Even though he will actually be younger. He'll almost look like a different person. Almost. Yeah. Yes. I know. Almost. So cool. Indeed. Indeed. <laughs> uh, I got a question for you. So Soliton Wave going at warp uh, 7.2, right? Mm-hmm. And we got to catch up to this thing. So we're going to go almost exactly as fast as it's going. Right. <laughs> right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. You're in a starship that can do... Warp 9. Yeah, easily warp 9. At least, yeah. right? You might even be able to push it a little bit further than that. I also didn't understand the whole thing of, like, well, why don't we just go around it? Oh, well, it's too big, and we'd never catch up. 
And so let's not go as fast as we can. <laughs> I was a tiny bit, you know, because really, if we went like 8.5, maybe we might be able to skirt around because I figured when we when we saw it, it was just going to completely fill the screen because it's gotten so big. Mm-hmm. And I couldn't figure out how if you drop the photons like right in front of it. Yeah. I knew a couple of guys one time. I knew a guy. I was on some like trip someplace, I don't know, day camp or something. And these guys were like in this creek and the creek was rushing. And one of the guys like stood there and he said, help. And he said he needed help. And, and like two other guys like formed a chain, mm-hmm. like to get the, to get the guy back. Mm-hmm. But he was standing next to like this little, like a, like this little outcropping of plants where the water wasn't flowing at all. Hmm. And they, and they were like talking about how they're going to write to boy's life, you know, about <laughs> how, like how he, they saved him and all this stuff. And I was like, yeah, you could have just stepped over like two feet. <laughs> and they told me to shut up yeah. because what they wanted to do was be on boy's life. Right. Yeah. And so I, I sort of felt like that was, that was like part of the decision here. Like, why can't we go around it? Right. Because shut up. <laughs> <laughs> Where's the drama in that uh, captain's log. So we're going to go really fast around the thing and get there in front of it. And there may be time for tea. Yeah. Well, okay. you, you never know about a soliton wave. They spook easily. So you got to sort of sneak <laughs> up on them. <laughs> you know? I love that idea. Yeah. yeah don't, don't want it to rear back and, you know, hit you in the face. Um, it, you know, there's one thing that uh, you have uh, all this trouble between uh, Worf and, and Alexander. But, but at the end, there's nothing like a good disaster to bring people together. Maybe that's a little premature for the morals, meanings, messages of today's podcast. But uh, but that's certainly something that I got out of it, that, you know, you could be in a lot of trouble as a kid. You could be messing things up quite a bit. But um, if you're trapped in like a burning schoolroom, then pretty much all of that just goes right out the door. And and really, that's all you're going to focus on at that point. So it's a good, a good lesson. Actually, not a good lesson. Don't don't get trapped. Um, in a in a burning school room and have somebody have to come save you. Yeah, just don't get in trouble in the first place. Not a good lesson, yeah. right? Because, you know, then kids listening to Mission Log would say, okay, so the message, moral, or meaning from this episode is, if it looks like I'm going to be, you know, get in trouble, mm-hmm. just set something on fire. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's why I parked that here in this part of the show. <laughs> where, where we maybe can make light of something and and not park right. it in the uh, final wrap-up of the show. Why don't we scare the parents, though, and say, we may come back to that later. There should be a rule. If you are going to spend any time in the engineering section of a starship, you have to at least pretend to care about things related to engineering. So, Ken, we've done how many of these now? 202 episodes. This is our, our 202nd episode of Mission Log. Yes. And whenever, you know, we, we work separately. Yes. And we write up our notes and we, we kind of jot down our thoughts and we watch a show over and over again. And then at the, kind of the last minute, we come together and, and, and put them all on the same page to see what we're going to talk about. And every now and then, we run into an episode where we think, oh, I just, I, I don't know what to talk about, <laughs> right? And, and, and this this is not necessarily one of those episodes, but th- this is an episode where, you know, any other episode, I, I would have sat down and just written out a bunch of notes, sort of stream of consciousness, whatever pops into my head while I'm watching an episode, whatever strikes me, I jot it down. And then I try to narrow that down into a handful of points mm-hmm. that, that we can discuss, right? And I didn't do that with this episode, though. 
because I, I kept watching this and just contemplating sort of all the things Worf was going through and the lessons that he had to learn and then wondering if they would really stick or not because mm-hmm. it seemed like throughout the episode there was a lot of not sticking <laughs> going on with him. Um, so it, it wasn't really like, oh, okay, and, and then there's this lesson and then there's this thing to learn. No, I mean, it, it, this really didn't feel like one of those episodes to me. Now, there are themes here that I thought we've discussed many times before that seem to come home to roost in this episode. The first theme being that everyone in Starfleet, or at the very least on the Enterprise, is an orphan. And we have have driven that home again here in this episode. Mm-hmm. And And number two, this idea that, you know, it takes a village to raise a child. Um, which seems like such a, a nice thing to believe about the 24th century. But then we see sort of the problems with that in this episode as well, because and then the, the kid just sort of gets passed around from one person to another when maybe that kid just really, really needs a, a parent, one parent to be able to go to. This is sort of what I was always afraid of, you know, that some kids need their parents and, and grandparents or maybe some other form of parent won't do mm-hmm. um, for whatever reason. The, the Rojinkos, as they say, they're getting older. They, they can't just sort of be it can't just sort of be expected that they will take care of this kid. And, and that seems to be one of Worf's first problems from the very beginning is just like, oh, I ended up with this kid. Sure. Here's what I'll do. This kid will go live with somebody else on another planet. Right. (laughs) Millions of light years from here, right? Or at least thousands of light years from here. Um, And then, you know, this prospect of sending Alexander off to Klingon boarding school, which just sounds terrible, at least to us. Who knows what the Klingons (laughs) feel about it. Right. Um, Even if that's what happens to all the other kids, fine. You know, at least in this context, it does not sound so good. Um, But then Worf is just sort of throughout this whole thing. He's just sort of bad at being a father. Um, We're shocked i mean i think that's the only reaction you can have is shock when the kid shows up and the first thing out of worst mouth is basically asking like so when are you leaving <laughs> i mean they beam in it's it's in the prologue they beam in it's like oh hey good to see you, alexander so when do you leave actually he didn't well in fairness he didn't say when are you leaving he said how long can you stay right yeah, yeah. Or something Which, along yeah, those the, lines. The, it wasn't the flip like side of that is when are you leaving? Well, but it wasn't like when are you getting out of here? I mean, that's just for the dramatic reveal of 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 Alexander saying, "I'm not going anywhere." Okay, that's okay. So that that actually gets us into the show like, "Whoa, this is going to be one of those I don't know what it is exactly, but I mean that I mean that it's like the 3 minute, you know, beginning. We have to have sort of that jarring Yeah. This is yeah, not going yeah. to go the way anyone expects that it's going to go kind of thing, right? Yeah, I mean, and then we've got Worf, who is um, really bad at taking clues from the teacher mm-hmm. and and not on her side during any of this, which is, you know, difficult to see as well. As you pointed out in the, uh, the synopsis, doesn't know his own kid's birthday, yeah. which uh, should make us all cringe a little bit. And then uh, even when Deanna reaches out to him uh, in, in a really nice scene, 
And really kind of to the point, bonk, bonk on the head, that these problems don't just get resolved as quickly as he would like to think they do. Mm -hmm. And he sort of brushes her off and and walks away from that, um, only to be followed up with uh, him making his decision that Alexander will go off to Klingon school, which again sounds terrifying. (laughs) Um, So we, we just have this examination of all the bad parenting that Worf does and all the um, sort of uh, uh, being blind to the things that Worf needs to, uh, to, to, to absorb and understand in order to at least try to be a good parent. Um, It's really interesting to watch him in those earlier moments, basically not talk, to or not talk with Alexander, but talk at Alexander right. about concepts like honor, um, which I, I fully understand. This is how we're fleshing out the character of Worf. This is how we're building dramatic tension. Um, again, Worf is not real, so it's okay if we sort of take him to task here. This is what the character was designed to do, at least for this episode. Um, but but to see him sort of uh, preach at Alexander about sort of high-minded concepts like honor, um, Mm -hmm. which are all going to be very abstract at this point and just say, like, uh, uh, you know, you you dishonor me and you dishonor your family, so uh, don't do it again. We'll never talk about it again. Next scene, he's in the uh, turbo lift talking about the Studiana. (laughs) Right. Well, I mean, here's the thing. Obviously, we know that Worf is not a real a real person. We know that Worf is not real, but I feel like you're being a little too hard on Worf anyway. Because hmm. here's the thing. He didn't even know he had a kid, right? Sure. Kalar shows up and says, by the way, you have a son. And then she dies. Yep. And then, you know, I think not so much because of failing in Worf's character, but because of the whole, you know writing thing and did they want to write a child onto the show at that point um suddenly alexander is gone again right mm-hmm. and so when he when he comes back in so so Worf has this weird idea of what it means to be klingon and we've talked about that before more klingon than klingon yeah right and he has no idea how to be a dad right and so when you say i mean when you're like faulting him for all these things i mean it's not like he's had him for five years and doesn't know how to do it Right. Mm-hmm. I mean, you're not talking about like that, that movie with Robert Duvall where, you know, he raised kids but didn't raise kids and just, you know, sort of barks at them the whole time. And they're like 20, <laughs> you know, at that point. I mean, he's had, <laughs> right. he's had no time with this at all. And even OK, so even even if he's like sort of getting comfortable with the idea that, OK, well, I have a son and I really should do something about that at some point. So he's just like they're going through space. They're going to go ride the movie of the week ride, you know, um, with the with with the test ship. Mm-hmm. And then his mom like calls and says, "By the way, mm-hmm. I'm dropping off your kid." And and okay, it's unfair that he assumed that she would raise him. Uh, unfair to assume that they would raise him. But at the same time, I mean, so so he's like basically been triple whammied here. Like he doesn't know his own culture, and now he's got to raise this other kid who is from this culture. And yes, the kid is his, but. He's been fine with the fact that he had a child. Uh, yesterday, he did not know that he was going to literally have a child today and like have to you know like enroll him in school and all that stuff. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I do get that. I, I think what's interesting, though, is that Worf, Worf lives in this structure where there is every resource and every opportunity to have other people help. 
And, and I get it. This is sort of a Worf problem. You know, Worf is more Klingon than Klingon. He'd rather do it on his own and die trying yeah. than to admit weakness. But there is also the opportunity for him to participate in whatever it needs to be done to be the best parent that he can be. He's got Deanna. He's got Mrs. Call. <laughs> he's got all these other people around him and all these other resources around him. And what's interesting is that Worf was raised by the Rojinkos. Right. So Worf at least has that as a reference mm-hmm. to how parents and children can you know cohabitate and and love each other and be a family together because clearly the Rojenkos were full of love for Worf right and clearly they raised him in a in a certain type of household that was not the uh, strict Klingon upbringing <laughs> that uh, that Worf might have experienced if uh, if Moog had survived so I you know I, I can cut Worf some slack in in the respect that yeah there, there is all this stuff being thrown at him and and Worf has a very specific kind of life. He sort of has blinders on. This is this very specific life that he has. Mm-hmm. And very much like Riker, his work is his life. And it's very hard for him to take in anything that is not related to that. Right. Um, so I do get it. But Worf has other influences in his life, too. Well, but again, you're expecting him to uh, to call upon those within 45 seconds, Right. Mm-hmm. I, okay, okay. Uh, Lema two, or Lema two, or whichever, is three light years away from the place where they're starting the Soliton wave, right? Yeah. Not to be a jerk, but how long does it take to get three light years at warp seven? It's like not long, right? Right. Okay, that's how much time we're talking about here. So, like, when you're saying, well, he could avail himself of all of these different things. I mean, it's almost like you want him to have gone to the library. And gotten like you know five books on so so you just you you just found out you're raising a kid you know what I mean I mean he's in the middle he's practically in the middle of a work day that is going to end very badly for this ship and everyone else on it when his son is there I mean this is sort of like the the weirdness of of TV time right on the one hand yeah you know I mean maybe there should have been a montage where we know this is taking a lot longer maybe this should have been like a month long mission or something because the three light years for a starship is like no time we're given to understand and 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 but all of this happens in that amount of time and in fact it's less than the three light years at warp whatever because the soliton wave keeps going faster and faster it's possible that we saw two hours <laughs> in the life of alexander roshenko and warp I, I mean it's a, it's a very sort of strange thing here's where i will say well it, it, i do think it all comes together right at the very end and i had to watch it a few times to finally see this at the very end mm-hmm Worf does what seemed impossible to save his son. They go in there, right? Yep. And there's somebody else there with him. There's Riker there with him. And working together with Riker, he is unable to lift that thing. So then Riker goes off to find uh, like a like a thing that he can actually use to help lift the thing more, right? Mm-hmm. But it's getting more dangerous. And now it really comes down to he's either got to do this or he's going to lose his son. And at that point... He does maybe what is impossible, certainly what seemed impossible. And that to me is, I mean, that's the real learning moment in the whole thing. You're right. He spends most of the episode going, I don't want to talk to you about this. I don't want to talk to you about this. I don't want to talk to anybody about this. I hardly even want to talk to the kid about this. But when it comes right down to it, when it comes down to that moment, 
he is able to do something that he was absolutely certain he would not have been able to do. He knew he would. He even tried it and it failed. And it actually ties back into there's one point in the uh, I can't remember which time it is that Alexander lies and lets him down. <laughs> but Warp's like, up. Oh, I'm a failure as a, I'm a failure as a father. You're going to boarding school because I can't do this. OK, well, you've seriously tried for 15 minutes. maybe, <laughs> right, right? right. I mean, it's, it's kind of neat that he actually does come to a place of. Yeah, he thinks he can't do it. He thinks he can't do it. But when he has to, he not only can he, but he does. And that ends up really being all of the missteps up to that point are really to show him, uh, yeah, okay. It turns out, despite the fact that I've said the whole time I've got this, when it comes to that, you know, do or die moment, I got this. I uh, I do find it kind of funny that uh, he's on a ship where not only is his friend a counselor, but uh, she's a woman who's right in front of him, in front of the little horseshoe thing that he stands behind all the time. And um, mm-hmm. she's literally saying, like, I can help you with this. I can help Alexander with this. And Worf wasn't the first one to say, oh, please, Alexander, here. <laughs> I've got to go to work. Here you go. <laughs> Call me in two hours when we say, after we save the planet from the Soliton wave. I understand he likes to eat things please make sure that he has some (laughs) explain chocolate to him by the way i I mentioned that there was something in that deleted scene that i wanted to save um in that moment it's a very short scene but uh picard says to Worf, he acknowledges to Worf that klingon officers do not permit their children to live with them so it is an interesting idea that this is also a cultural thing that that maybe would have served a little more background to help clue us into, um, you know, Worf's absolute uh, shock at having a child around and doing everything he can to sort of uh, distance himself from this child. Uh, That that at least puts a little bit of uh, uh, cultural context on things. But we don't dig too, too deeply into that. And like you said, you know, maybe what would have been nice was to see this story play out over the course of a month. If the episode had taken place over a month or if in another, you know, uh, another way to sort of create this show, it's actually a month's worth of episodes that you are building this relationship between them. With Worf's child safely shipped off to wait a moment. Seriously? He is staying? All right, Ken, we've covered some new ground here. Ha, 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 ha. Yeah, right? See, it's like they put the title of the episode to actually correspond to what they were exploring. Anyway, new ground. Ken, <laughs> I will oppose it to you. Before we get into the immorals, meanings, messages, and, and you know, what what all is the uh, the sticking point here. But does the episode hold up as an episode? I almost, I, it's fine. I mean, it teaches us more about Worf, which is kind of cool, and it teaches us more about Alexander, who's apparently going to be a thing now, as opposed to just an idea that's out there. This is not like Kirk's nephew. I mean, we're actually going to be dealing with this on some level. Um, Couldn't help thinking that we haven't seen Ensign Mm -hmm. Rowe in a while. We've introduced two new characters now, (laughs) but but they're not not all going to be all the time kind of things. Um, the difficulty that I have with this episode is something that we've talked about a few weeks ago. I guess it was around the time uh, that that uh, Gene Roddenberry's passing, as far as production goes. 
Um, this is very much a character-driven episode. This is very much a human nature, family dynamics, people are people kind of episode. Um, and that tends to be not what I look to Star Trek for in a way, mm-hmm. or Star Trek three or Star Trek two for that matter. <laughs> it tends to not be, I mean, I'm, I'm looking for like, you know, I'm looking for your troubles with triples messages. I'm looking for your, uh, let that be your last battlefield messages. Okay. And I did say that I was going to have to sort of change the way I watched these episodes. Do I like what's being said about fatherhood here? Eh, theoretically. I mean, the other thing is I was I was thinking about before this episode, before we did this episode, this is one where I have no frame of reference. If I am most like anybody in this episode, I'm most like Alexander hmm. in, you know, how active my father was at certain points in my life and things like that, right? I know what I'm supposed to be you know, grokking here is is Worf growing into a better father or a better character, but I, but that's not like that doesn't really resonate with me that much. Mm-hmm. So I just, I, I won't say that the episode doesn't hold up. I'll say, I kind of want to say pass because the family dynamics episodes are never my favorite episodes of Star Trek. Plus um, the character with whom I'm supposed to be sympathetic in this episode. I'm like, yeah, you go Alexander take two of those lizards. Why don't you? Because, because they're small and, and you know, the universe owes it to you, dude. Seriously. Yeah, right. I'll make a distraction. You take those and run the other way. I don't actually believe that. But I I found myself sort of ill-prepared for this episode, not because I didn't take the time to watch it, but because all of the references that are supposed to, like, really just, like, you know, hit me right here, mm-hmm. uh, they sort of whizzed by. So, I mean, yes, there's there's – it's good to see Worf grow. I do actually like that pivotal moment where he does the impossible or where he does what he thought was impossible. Mm-hmm. Um, so in a lot of ways it holds up, but – I mean, it's it's not one that I will ever go back and watch for pleasure, I don't think. I mean, I'll watch the game again before I watch this. And the game wasn't bad, don't get me wrong. But I mean, I'll watch the game again. Because that's everybody wrestling with sort of like, you know, sort of, uh, not the game. Well, the game, yes, but what was the one? A matter of time. Mm-hmm. That's everybody getting to wrestle with like, you know, one idea as opposed to the this week on a very special episode of Next Gen. You know, I'm kind of like, ah. Eh. I'd rather watch Family or Family Ties, for that matter. You can see Brian Bonsell's face in that one too. Uh, what about you, sir? What do you? I mean, did, did it hold up as far as you're concerned, though? Uh, well, you know, I'll use the same word that you did and that we used uh, last week. It's fine, mm-hmm. um, and it may tip over from fine to good, uh, depending on what you're looking for. Um, I'm actually good with episodes that focus a bit more on character development. Uh, and and relationship mm-hmm. development. I think what's so strange, and, and maybe it is like a, a twisted stroke of genius here, is that you're going to do an episode about fatherhood and parent-child relationship, and you pick the guy who is the absolute worst-case scenario for being a father. <laughs> You know, um, maybe I don't know. Uh, Kirk didn't recognize Mark, and he was in his like mid twenties, early thirties. So maybe, yeah, you know, David, yeah, yeah, David Marcus. <laughs> oh, David, yeah, I'm sorry, yeah. right? I apologize, um, David Marcus. Yes, see, I didn't recognize him either. Yeah, see, so, yeah, who so would? I'm a bad father for the Star Trek characters. Yeah. Absolutely, yeah. Um, it, it is interesting to see Worf kind of grow, but I, I think there's sort of a weird thing that in the audience, you, you watch all these moments with Worf, and you sort of cringe a little bit and go, wow, did did he really just talk to a kid like that? Does he really, can he, do they, do they hug? Can they, can they hug this out? Can they please? <laughs> <laughs> can we just get to that point? Um, 
So right. there's just a lot of strange stuff in this episode. I do wish that it wasn't just A plot, B plot, and then putting sort of a neat little bow on it at the end. Mm-hmm. I do kind of wish, and again, it's what we're given. The show is 25, 24, almost 25 years old. Um, so it's unfair of us to sort of retrofit it the way that we would see fit. But that said, I do wish that this is the kind of character plot line and character development that could have occurred over a longer time um, and and be woven a little more organically into the other stories that are being told. But it's sort of the reality of the way that these shows are written and at the time they were written, and that's okay. Um, there's stuff that I like here. I don't think it is a great, it's not among the greats of the episodes of Next Gen, um, but it does still give us a little more insight into Worf, who I think is uh, at the very least, you know, one of the more complex characters on this show. Um, So I'll certainly give it better than a pass for that. Um, But what about messages when we get into that? Um, I like the fact that failure isn't actually failure necessarily. Okay, maybe you don't succeed, but you didn't fail. Um, the Enterprise has taken damage. The te- sh- test ship has exploded. But they achieved warp without warp drive. And it's cool that they were able to recognize that. I mean, Jordy actually congratulates the guy when he's like, ah, nuts. The thing blew up, and we don't even have all mm-hmm. the telemetry stuff, and that's kind of terrible. And Jordy's like, hey, man, you did it. And the scientist is like, yeah. And you know mm-hmm. what? I hope you're here next time I try it, because next time it's going to be better. And that's kind of cool. And that is honestly a lesson that Worf picks up as well. I mean, he does, he's ready to be done being a dad in like act two, I think, or act three. It's like, well, I have failed. Not, I screwed that up, but we're going to be okay. She's like, yep, we're done. And then he he does realize somewhere along the way that, okay, I'm going to screw up, but eh, I'm going to keep trying. And, in, and it's going to be difficult. And he actually says it to the kid. It's going to be tough for you. It's going to be tough for me. But, you know. Maybe we can actually work through this. And so I like the fact that even even at the points of failure, I mean, it's weird that it's actually made a little bit more clear with the scientist guy who is about to destroy a planet accidentally. <laughs> but the scientist guy is like, oh, yeah, if they if they give me more ships and other planets to aim this thing at, I'm absolutely doing this again. Because you know what? I got that one part right. <laughs> so, yeah, it'll be better next time. And that to me. If there is a message here, that's that. I guess that's sort of the message. I mean, y- even if what you're trying to do doesn't work exactly, what's the Thomas Edison thing? Were you not frustrated that you know it took you a thousand things to find the right filament? And he's like, no. Every time I found one, I knew it wasn't that, so I went ahead yeah. and moved on. Yeah. You know, I mean, a failure is failure is like a moment, which, as we all know, is only ninety seconds. <laughs> <laughs> right. Failure is like a moment, but moments pass, and you get to you get to keep working. Um, so I guess, I mean, that's sort of a, that's sort of a longish message there, but that's, that's a message that I picked up from it. What messages did you hear, sir? Yeah. Um, I, I definitely like the failure is not failure message. Um, there are a lot of people who look at science and, and the, the process that is science. And when something fails and something goes wrong, they say, oh, see, science doesn't work. The method doesn't work. Well, no, no, no. Actually, you learn from that thing. And it sounds trite. It sounds trite to right. say that, well, you just learn from mistakes. But no, that that's actually how it works. <laughs> and it's a pretty great thing. And it's a great thing to see everybody on the Enterprise behind that idea and Jadar behind that idea to say, hey, well, we're, we're going to dust ourselves off. We're going to do it again. 
even though we lost that one ship. And nearly a planet. Yeah, but we didn't. We didn't. So I, I think that's great. And, and honestly, that same message can be applied back to Worf in the respect that, that these things that you could chalk up as failure, oh, my kid stole something, therefore he is a failure, or I'm a failure for not teaching him correctly. It's not necessarily failure. It, that is an opportunity to learn. It's an opportunity to teach. So life goes on after that. Now, that's a totally different show, but life goes on after that, uh, <laughs> after that that <laughs> moment has, has passed. Um, and then I think as far as the A plot goes, you know, there are a lot of messages, but they kind of circle back to the same thing, which is a message for Worf, and that's listen to your kids. You know, really, actually, truly be there and try to understand them. You you can't parent from a book and you certainly can't par uh, parent by just giving orders. Um, that's why it's so cringeworthy to see that scene where he's lecturing about honor. That that would just really sticks out to me for some reason. Yeah, I know. Just lecturing this kid about this abstract idea of honor, which is purely going to go in one ear and out the other. And it's all one sided. There's nothing about Worf listening to and trying to understand and and empathize with his kid. Worf was a kid, too, at one point, though he may deny it, <laughs> you know? Um, so that that's sort of uh, a message about family relationship there that, that I think is perfectly valid and valuable no matter when this episode aired or will be watched again in the future. And, of course, you would I, I think we would say that they all hold up. Yeah, I think any message in this episode holds up, um, particularly if we're saying, you know, don't parent like Worf. <laughs> that, that, that would hold up for me for sure. No, no, no. I think the one that really has to hold up is if at first you don't succeed, there are other planets that you might destroy. <laughs> Mission Log is produced by Roddenberry Entertainment. Executive producer Rod Roddenberry. You can find out more about the stuff that they're doing, including... As we record this, the Roddenberry Foundation has announced this thing called the Roddenberry Prize. Yeah. And I think that, like, started now and just, like, goes on and on and on. So if you want to know more about that, even if you're listening several years from now, how would you know? But besides that, uh, you know, all the stuff Roddenberry, uh, you can link to at roddenberry.com. For more exciting Star Trek podcasts, be sure to check out Trek FM. That is Trek.FM. And for the latest in Star Trek news and discussion be sure to visit trekmovie.com. And next week, we will be back with Hero Worship. Some of the music for Mission Log provided by Warp 11, online at warp11.com, and from the album Messages by Key Theory, free to download at kitheory.com. Seeing Andy Keaton was nice. But when do we get to the episode with Webster? End transmission.